0: This is the Area 941 Radio Wolinsky Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Walensky. We're talking about books, about theater, about film, and sometimes about politics. My guest is Nancy Opel, who has been in 15 Broadway shows, including Wicked, Beautiful, Honeymoon in Vegas, Memphis. The list goes on going down to Sunday in the park with George and Evita. She is currently in A Christmas Carol, which is running through December 26th at the Golden Gate Theater in San Francisco. And for more information, you go to broadwaysf.com. The interview was recorded five days before Sondheim died. Nancy, before we get started, I understand from your website that you're friends with David Ives. So my question to you is, what is the status of the Ives Sondheim musical about Bunuel? Do you have any details?
1: I was involved briefly a few years ago. I really have no idea. I honestly have no idea.
0: Were you involved with that
1: first reading? or? I don't know if it was the first one. I did a couple sort of in the middle. What year was that? I don't remember what year it is now. I did a couple of different versions.
0: How was the music? How was it?
1: Gorgeous, because Stephen Sondheim's a great composer. I mean, it was amazing.
0: Because I had read in April that he'd stopped and it was dead, and then I read in September that it was alive again, so... Well, you probably know as much as I do. Let's get on to Christmas Carol and a bit about your career, Nancy Opal.
1: Christmas Carol, this is from a London production, is that correct? Yeah, this is a production that started in London and then... It was also done on Broadway. In fact, it snagged a bunch of Tonys this past season. And it's a musical. It is not exactly a musical. It is more what I would consider a play with music.
0: How does this differ from other interpretations? Because ACT, as you know, here in San Francisco, was doing a version of Christmas Carol every year. Obviously, this year they're not.
1: I mean, I'm not completely familiar with other versions of A Christmas Carol because, interestingly, I have never done a Christmas Carol. Really? Well, you know, you get to be my age and sooner or later you, you know, you play Mrs. Cratchit somewhere, you know, but I have not done that. So I'm not really sure. I will say that it is an absolutely beautiful design. It's so pretty. The show is looking amazing and it is. What I would say gives you an incredible sort of satisfying journey without it being overlong. Shall we say that? That really tells it because I think each act runs under an hour. Now, you play the Ghost of Christmas Past. You're only in Act One then? No, I show up all the time, even though, uh, you know, I say my piece during Act One. I do arrive back again towards the end of the play.
0: For preparing for this, is this any different from preparing for any other show?
1: No, not really. Not really. I mean, once you've been in shows for 40 years, you pretty much have an idea of how you're going to approach something. I mean, I always do the same things. I always learn lines, writing them all down by hand and and going over it that way over and over again. And I mean, there's certain things I always do. I always try to highlight in colors that, uh, well, the best thing is to highlight in colors that you see on the set. It's the best because it helps you remember.
0: When you say highlight in colors, you mean when you're doing a read through on the set, you're outlining those different things that you're going to have to remember?
1: No, you highlight your lines while you're working on them, when you're learning them. And if you know you're wearing a particular color, you try to use color in your highlighter that uh, you see on your costume. I mean, that's a that's an amazing one to use. Actually, it actually does help to make you remember. It's it's a mnemonic device that I've used for years now.
0: Oh wow! You'll start by trying to get off book as quickly as possible. Then. Quickly
1: as possible. This cast was blazingly fast. Me, not as much. I just like to look at the script for a while because you see new things that you might not notice at the very beginning. So I like to I like to sort of keep looking.
0: And how do you find the character? I mean, ghosts of Christmas past certainly you've got a lot of different versions, of course, mm-hmm. none of them or very few of them are female.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, we're all female ghosts. Well, in my case it's been kind of an interesting sort of journey um to finding the kind of the the, the feeling for this character, because, you know, you read lines and you have an idea in your head of what you think the the character is about because of what you say and what people say about you or whatever. And in this case, I feel like we sort of worked on it for a while just in terms of is this a friendly ghost? <laughs> or, 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 or is she tougher? Or how, how does she exactly try to tell him what he should be doing, you know, with his life? Do you
0: pick up things from earlier characters? Or is that so far out of your mind? Either other people who have played it or other people you've played in different shows?
1: Well, I think there's a little bit of Penelope Pennywise from Urintown in this characterization, just because she's, she's tough at times, you know, or I am tough at times. My character is tough at times. I don't have any problem being tough and bossy. <laughs> Do you sing any songs in this? Um, we all sing, but I, I, I don't sing a song, per se. You're
0: not going to worry about putting a character in the context of a song like you would, say, in
1: Wicked. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I want to ask you about that from other shows. How do you prepare a song for, say, contextually in a show versus if you were doing cabaret?
1: Oh, you know, that's interesting. I've never done cabaret because the idea of it sort of terrifies me. I don't. I have seen so many really boring acts. (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to fall into that category of people who say, oh, yes. I saw what she did. I think that if you've got a great book writer and a great composer, lyricist, they just hand it to you pretty much. I mean, it's just there and you open your mouth and say the things. And like I said, if you, if you have to work really hard at spinning, then it's not great writing. It's right there to you and go, "I I know exactly what I should do here. Then you go. Okay, this is really excellent writing. Now, of course, that doesn't mean someone can't direct you in a certain direction, or 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 even moments, just like you know, be more specific about about what they're looking for in that moment in terms of the larger picture of the play. I find that it. it I don't think a lot about that. I just. I just start. You know, I just open my mouth. And whatever comes out, you say, okay, yeah, 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 I'm on the right track, or not on the right track. And that's where the director comes in to say, yeah, no, well, you're on the right track.
0: The reason I ask that is that several years ago, I interviewed Stephen Sondheim, and he was having difficulty with one of the performers who was kind of singing her song rather than putting her song in the context of the show. I don't want to name who it is.
1: No, you don't have to.
0: It brings up a question of. Trying to maintain the character within the context of a song. Right. Which I guess, if it's not written as well as some of the things you've done, then what do you do?
1: Well, first of all, if you talk about Steve, in terms of casting, he will always lean towards casting the person who understands the character as opposed to understands how to sing he's not the guy who says oh no 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 my work has to sound like this because it's pure and it should be this he's much more interested in finding the person who's really right for the part and therefore sings the song in the way that seems natural to him uh, in the context of the show
0: at some point for steven sondheim at least the casting itself kind of solves most of those problems.
1: I think so. Yes.
0: Makes it easy for you. Cause you know, when you're going into a show that you have been selected. Right. Specifically in order to do that.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. I have rarely worked with people who think it's all about the voice, you know, maybe it's just because that's the, the kind of guys I've been working with, you know, I mean, Jason Robert Brown, you know, I mean, I've worked with so many really great composers and I would never say any of them are just saying, no, 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 no. It's my, no, those are my notes. You know, that that's, that's the, that's the melody. That's the lyric. That's the whatever. And it has to be perfect. Very few people, I think, uh, I mean, I guess of a certain caliber, think that it's only about whatever it is they do. Let's say you're working with someone who's, who is strictly, you know, writes the music and someone else does lyrics it's rare that i have run across people who don't understand that that it's the you know the the sum of its parts you know the whole is is greater than the sum of its parts i suppose
0: nancy opal if you're going into someone else's role how do you cuz you've done that many times mm-hmm. how do you maintain that first performance and yet make it nancy opal's performance
1: well To be honest with you, a lot of it has to do with who is putting you into the show. If the show is still running, which I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, if you're talking about replacing. When a show is still running, of course, you know, you're expected to trot in and watch the show a lot. So that gives you a feel for what the original spirit might be you know, about, although sometimes you show up and you're far removed from the original spirit, you know, in my case, in Wicked, I mean, uh, what was it? 15 years when I went in, uh, it had been running. So, I mean, I saw Carol, I saw Carol, but it was many, many, many years, you know, prior to when I joined the company. But I think that part of that has to do with who truly puts you into the show. And, On many occasions, that's the stage manager. There are stage managers that are genius at it, really, really good at it, because they not only give you the technical specificities, but they also have a really, really good handle on at least what your emotional temperature should be at any given moment in the show. There's one great thing about being a replacement. There may be others, but this is a good one. You can rehearse an entire play, your parts, in about three hours a day. (laughs) So that you're doing three hours a day for maybe two weeks. And then you're suddenly in the play. And it's really, really efficient (laughs) to be that person. Cause you just go, Hey, you're just acting with me guys, right? Dance captain. Here's the, here's the stage manager. Sometimes other uh, people who are in the company come in and they start working with you too. So you get a chance to feel what it's like to, to work with the people who are on the stage, you know, right now. And so it is really efficient. It's a great, it's a great, great way because the script isn't going to change. You know exactly what that's going to be. So in a way it's kind of wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. We got it you know?
0: But still that very first rehearsal (laughs) must be torture because you're kind of going, okay, now everybody's here and there are the sets. Or do you go in without a rehearsal?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I would say, well, I can't always say that, but let's, let's talk in, generally speaking, you have two weeks. If you're already in a show Or going into a show that's in a theater you, you rehearse on the set which or a rehearsal room nearby and then you can be on the set it's a great great thing to be able to really walk the space you know and to feel it and you can do that for usually it's usually two weeks you usually get two weeks now one time this was uh memphis actually um and i was i was replacing cass morgan and It was kind of the same deal. You know, I was rehearsing on the stage. But they would not have the moving set pieces on the stage for me until my first performance. That's not counting like the little platforms that they wheel you on. I mean, I had those. But I'm really generally talking about gigantic columns that move across the set. Here is basically what the stage manager said to me. He said, you must be here. And he showed me the spot on the stage. Do not be a foot there. And that was about a foot towards the audience. He said, don't be there. And I said, okay, is this important? And he said, yes, because if you're there, that set piece, and he pointed to it, will kill you. So my first performance, well, see, you don't know these things. You don't know that my first performance in Wicked, my main concern was not getting killed. Really? Yeah, that was my main concern. I mean, everything else was pretty much in place, but a couple of places where the set moved and I was not allowed to see that until the night I was on and there I was doing it. Now, luckily, they weren't fast moving things. (laughs)
0: luckily you've you've got enough years under your belt so you can kind of like go okay this is a new one i'm jumping out of an airplane
1: well (laughs) yes kind of like that And, and then another time that i had very little time was when i went into the 2004 is it 2004 yes revival of fiddler i played yenta and I had a weekend. I was cast on a Friday. I watched the show Saturday, Sunday. I think I had a rehearsal on Monday with the dance captain and the director. And on Tuesday, I had a put in and went on. And you know what? I don't suggest it. It worked out okay. It did. I mean, it worked out okay, but there's so much stress, you know, because you're walking out onto a Broadway stage and it was previews week. Walking out onto a Broadway stage, you know, going, Goldie, Goldie, you know, it is absolutely this out of body experience.
0: Nancy Opal, several years ago, obviously, I interviewed Carol Channing and I asked her about when do you know if a show's going to make it or not. And, you know, in those days, of course, you did. The out-of-town tryouts, sure. which you may not do now. Sure. But she said there was always a point somewhere during that period where it all would came come together or not. And she at least would know whether they're in a hit or not.
1: Right. Did you ever have that? You know, there wasn't much doubt in my mind that Evita was going to be okay. Right. You know, but once again, you know, we were the original. Broadway company coming in, but, but it was a hit in London. So that probably doesn't even count, you know, because you kind of have a feeling of what's going to happen. However, the next Broadway show I did was a feeling that you go like, I don't know what's going to happen. And that was Sunday of the Park with George.
0: When you were cast in that, had you ever met Sondheim before? Or was that first time?
1: No, 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 no. I was, I was, I don't know. How old was I? I was in my mid-20s. I'd only done one Broadway show, you know, I'd done Evita, but it was one of those shows where you go, all, there's so much of this that is so unbelievably exquisitely beautiful that we might, mu- I mean, this is going to be fine, right? It's going to be fine. We're going to do great. And I think that we struggled with the length of the show for, you know, quite some time. Now, this is getting past the workshop or you know, that we did at Playwrights Horizons and all. You know, because that was very, very, very sort of, I don't know what you would say, under the radar in a way, as much under the radar as you can be in that situation. And when we went to Broadway, there were still lots of changes being made all the time, all the time, all the time. And we were in previews and there were several songs that were not yet in the show from the second act. Lesson number eight and children and art were not in the show when we originally started previews at the Booth Theater. And it seemed to, in my view, because I was young and inexperienced, it seemed to enrage the audience in certain ways. I can't describe it because, uh, because at the time when we were, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks away from opening it felt like people were not enjoying the show, you know? And when you're in something and you love it already so much because we did, it was very painful to watch that happen. And then we had a lot of our own material cut. And I totally understand why they did that. Because they really had to focus in on George and Dot.
0: You yourself and your two minor roles had more material.
1: Oh, heck yes, we all did. Yeah, we all did. We all did. And I take offense at at minor roles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's no such thing as a minor role.
1: I'm kidding. but However, it took a long time before opening night for those songs to come in and for us to really solidify, I think.
0: Was there a point, because the end of Act One, the song Sunday, When that song comes on, that, you know, Sunday, and that moment at the end, was there a first time where you went, holy cow, I can't believe this?
1: Almost every day we sang it, it felt like that. It was glorious. It was an absolute, it was a glorious choral experience. It really was. And, you know, we had a relatively small orchestra, with Michael Sterabin, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful arrangements. It was one of those things where you go, okay, I don't know how you can have a high this, this high, and we, we have to get there. We have to get to the place where, you know, people want to come see this, you know, and we did. But boy, oh boy, it was scary there for a little while.
0: Nancy Opal, you teach acting and as a coach, do you think you take off more from like the the work of someone like Meisner, or you go in a different direction?
1: Well, I went to Juilliard, so I mean they had their ways. But I'll, it took me a long time to get over acting school. You know, I'm sorry, but it's true. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I think you just have to kind of get over acting school for a while. It, and it's just like anything else. I mean, you know, you become a technician first if you're lucky. You know, if you learn it well enough to become a technician and you learn about voice and speech, I mean, to me, voice and speech is the thing that I learned best in school and the thing that has served me best. I also think that if your voice and speech is good in your singing, that you also seem like a better actor for free, if you know what I mean. It's you know, people get all caught up in in, oh my gosh, I don't I don't I you know, I, I, I don't have an A or I don't have a G or whatever. Boys are always just like going, but I don't have a G. Baritones are like, oh no, no, no. Yeah, I get that. But it's never, ever, ever, at a certain level, I guess you'd say, it's never, ever, ever strictly about a note. Ever. Ever. You know, and I've watched people on stage and you see their little eyes sort of roll up into the back of their heads because you know, they're going to try to go for that high note or whatever. And that's the unfortunate thing because it, it's kind of off-putting, you know, what you want to see is the person that's just free enough to sort of keep, keep that moment, keep that moment emotionally and be able to accomplish the song the way it needs to be accomplished. That's really the trick. What I try to do is, you know, really work on breath and diction for people, if we're talking about singing, so that they feel free enough to still be humans.
0: That seems to be, from what I've seen, the difference between a lot of the professionals that I've spoken with. And when I go and I see somebody in a local production who doesn't quite get there and you feel they're performing rather than acting. You played Carlotta in Follies in St. Louis. How is yeah, doing, was doing? That's I'm still here, you know, right? Once
1: again, what do I have to do? I just have to open up my mouth and sing it. That's it. How can, I mean, it's one of those things you go like, sorry, but good times and bum times, I've had them all. And my dear, I'm still here. You know, it's just like, whoa, God, I mean, just open your mouth and talk you know on on pitch but you know that's essentially it what is the hardest role you've had well in certain ways evita was the hardest because that was my first real well it was my first job in new york i had not worked anywhere in new york and how did you come to new york i went to juilliard so i was already well see this is what i wanted to do i wanted to be on the ground in new york city already just so I feel like I know what's know what's going on. I still didn't know what was going on. I mean, I didn't know anything. But I think that there was a huge learning curve in so many ways, not so much about what was going on on stage, but just life backstage and how one conducts oneself with fellow cast members, how one um, deals with uh bad humor or how one deals with gossip or how one deals with, you know, the inevitable moments that are tricky because there always are some. And I learned a lot in that show. I was in it for four years. I learned a ton. The other thing you had
0: to learn is how to keep yourself fresh in a yeah. role that oh, you're going to be sure, playing sure. for it, it is months or years.
1: Yes, it's a thing. And as a human, I am kind of an optimist and sort of positive, more or less, you know? I mean, everybody's got a day where they feel one way or another, but for me, I kind of felt like, well, I am happy as a clam to be doing the thing that I said I wanted to do for a living on the level that I was doing it. And I had to you just have to keep reminding yourself not that you're lucky, but that the stars aligned for you and and, and don't fight it. It's great.
0: Nancy Opal, what have you got coming up after Christmas Carol?
1: I'm going to do a lot of knitting. I wish you could see me right now because I have a really cute hat on that I just finished. Oops, I made a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking things up and
0: I found that you created this incredible duplex right off time square for yourself.
1: Yeah. It's really nice. Right. Oh, do you see the thing where I've got all the, I've got all my knitting around too. <laughs> well, I did a local NBC thing uh, during the pandemic and, and I had, I had people in my place and, you know, they were all like having such a big time with me spreading all of my knitting wares around my socks and my, and my little, and my little scarves and all kinds of stuff. Listen, I got a lot of knitting done during that pandemic, my friend. I at least I at least accomplished something.
0: Is it any different playing one character or multiple characters in the show?
1: I like doing both, actually. I did a show called The Toxic Avenger off Broadway. I played both Toxie's mother and her nemesis. <laughs> and you want to know something? It was a heck of a good time. I had a giant face off huge screaming cat fight song that I did with myself. It was a
0: blast. Things like that. There was one in Jekyll and Hyde where Jekyll had a fight with Hyde. That was one. And then there was one in a show called 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. That song is amazing. Right,
1: right. Well, here's, here's the deal. I can tell you without hearing that song, because I've never heard that song, I can tell you without a doubt My song was funnier than either of those two.
0: Well, one final question. The favorite show of all time that you've been (sighs) in, would that be Sunday in the Park?
1: Sunday in the Park was a very painful growing pains experience. So I learned, that was my real learning of what it's like to do a brand new show. Because as I said, Evita had been ironed out. We knew what was going to happen. That show, Sunny in the Park, was both incredibly um, painful and, of course, incredibly rewarding because it was just such an amazing piece to to be a part of. But the most fun to play for me personally was probably You're in Town. Yeah.
0: And you have nothing lined up right now.
1: I told you what I've got lined up. I've got a bunch of skeins of, of, of yarn that I have to that I have to wind and, you know, start knitting.
0: You've been listening to an interview with Nancy Opel, who is playing the ghost of Christmas Past in A Christmas Carol, which is at the Golden Gate Theater through December 26th, 2021. And for more information, you can go to BroadwaySF.com. Feedback on this and other Radio Walensky podcasts is appreciated. You can write to bookwaves at hotmail.com, and feel free to search out other interviews at bookwaves.com or on the kpfa.org website. Until next time, I'm Richard Walensky on the Area 941 Radio Walensky podcast.